Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Good afternoon. Welcome to 1230 slash 115 service. <laughs> so it creeps up there a little bit. It's good to see everyone. How's everyone doing? Why is everybody uh, kind of like, wow, this is a interesting kind of spread. Okay. So uh, there's more seats over here as well. So you be good. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, I just, I feel so distant. It's easier to what? It's easier to what? Oh, to exit. Oh, <laughs> so <th> <laughs> that's comforting. <laughs> we came ready to leave. <laughs> All right. Well, praise God. Praise God. We're in a series uh, called Game Changers. Game Changers. A game changer is uh, something that comes into life and like completely changes perspective. And we believe that uh, the word of God running through our lives, that the Holy Spirit is a game changer, that formerly our lives without God were going a certain way that was not so good, that was in the dark, that was very unsure, that was very depressing. But then Jesus steps in and he is the ultimate game changer. And we're challenged by this apostle or this person who carries a message from Jesus, who happens to be his brother, uh, named James, who is the head of a church who had written to many other uh, uh, Jewish believers uh, around the world, or at least outside of his context, right? And he's saying, hey, guys, we got to get this together. We actually have to live out this faith. And don't be tempted. And he gives so many different practical uses. And so the book of James is a great book, especially if we're looking to change the game and have the game changed for us. So the last few weeks, Tony, uh, Pastor Tony's been doing a great job of kind of framing each section of chapter one, uh, kind of around these big sort of, I guess, slogans that we find out in the world. Like, uh, well, one of them that seems to be very memorable and really sticks out is what? Embrace. Embrace the suck. Yes, embrace the suck. We were all kind of like punched in the face by that. <laughs> Excuse me. But apparently it's on t-shirts and it's a thing. Okay, so last week it was, it's a trap. Okay, uh, as James is going through talking to these, uh, these Jewish Christians and saying, hey, things are going to get hard in this life. You're going to be tempted to do all these things and you're going to have a lot of pressure on you to not be a Christian, to not follow after God, but you have to embrace the suck, right? And continue to follow after God. And last week when Tony was talking about temptation and the, the, the temptation to be distracted from God, it was, it's a trap, right? So when you see things like distractions in your spiritual life, when you, think, uh, when you see things in your, your uh, workplace or at home, when you're tempted to derail from the word of God, just remember what Admiral Akbar said many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's a trap, right? <laughs> okay. For my part, uh, this week, handling this section, I couldn't think of a really great slogan of anything that you've ever seen before, so I created an original one. Are you ready? This is completely original. I, I couldn't find it anywhere, okay? I, I really hope it sticks. <clears throat> if I were to frame this section of scripture, I would call it this. Just do it. Very original, right? Yes? Yeah. They got to, man, they got to put that in like some sports apparel or something one day. That's it. Just do it. Just do it. Why don't we uh, open up the book of James chapter 1 verses 19 through 27. You'll kind of see what I mean as we go along. Don't worry. That's not a trap. My dear brothers and sisters, James says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me before we continue? God, you're so gracious to us. You're so loving to us. And though many times we we come before you and we authentically want to be with you and we authentically want to hear you, our hearts often deceive ourselves and we forget the things that you've told us. As we come before you today, Lord, will you remind our hearts of the great love that you have? Will you help train us? Will you help transform us? Lord, will your word once again be a game changer in our very lives? May you transform this community so that we may be a game changer for the world. In Christ's name, amen. Again, James is coming from this place where he's calling out, listen, it's a trap. You're going to be tempted to be distracted just like when you come here and you get an update on your phone because somebody scored. Well, that's next week. Or you get a message. You're going to be distracted by things that happened earlier in the day. And in the same way through your life, you're going to be distracted and you're going to be tempted to give in to your own desires all the time and to completely disregard the things that God has shown us. Completely disregard the things that God has said you'll be distracted. And so Pastor Tony once again asserted last week, hey, be careful, it's a trap. Don't fall into that temptation. Now, James starts this passage by putting some meat on the bones and saying, here's, here's how you know right away that you're distracted from what God has been saying. And he starts with verse 19. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is one of the fastest ways to notice that you're not in line with the spirit because all of three of these things speaking listening and becoming angry are all reactions to what's going on around you yes you hear something that is uh, angering in your workplace and right away you want to blow up at somebody right away you come to assumptions of like oh okay this must mean blah 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 and when you get emotional right away James knew you're gonna get emotional and you're gonna shut down your ears will just completely shut and you fall into assumption mode. You're distracted from what the beauty of, of God and his word. You go into assumption mode. We do this collectively as a nation right now. There's new laws that are being passed. There are new movements that are being created. And if you turn on, if you turn on, if you open up your Facebook app, you turn on your computer, you look at the news, right away all you see is a bunch of hate being flung back and forth all the time 
And maybe that's some of us as well. We're, we're ranting on Facebook right away. I can't believe, and we post all of these memes demonizing the other side who's obviously wrong. Not even taking a moment to consider, hey, let's listen a little bit deeper to the concerns of the other side. But instead, we are very quick to reach for our phone, to send a tweet. That's the sort of collective ethos that we find ourselves in as a country right now. And it goes a little deeper into our homes, into our family life, where I know the drill, I know what you're going to say, so I don't even bother listening. James is reminding us, hey, this is a very real situation. It is a trap. You're going to be distracted. You're going to say something damaging right away in response. You're going to close down your ears. And you're going to open up the wrath from deep down like a dragon. Ah! This usually happens because of a hurt ego when we think of ourselves first. Again, an ego is distinguishing yourself from everybody else, right? So perhaps you're in a small group for some of us who are in, and, and hopefully we're all in small groups by now. And if you're not, hey, we got them every day of the week. But you're in a small group with some other Christians. They mention, oh, I really hate when people do this. And the, you'll know right away when you're distracted because your first thing that you'll think is what? They're talking about me. Oh, I'm so offended. You're assuming. It happens all the time. So what does James offer? He says, hey, he turns it. He turns a cultural thing on its head and says, listen, because in the day that James was writing this, was, this was very common in Roman culture to be very prideful and to be able to argue and articulate much better than anybody else. Now, I don't think we still struggle with pride, do we? Uh, yeah, I think we're still working on that 2,000 years later. But he flips it on his head and offers some practical advice and says, hey, try this. Try opening up your ears, closing your mouth. No, this is not an anteater, all you UCI people. <laughs> opening up your ears, closing your mouth, and actually listening. But he goes a little bit deeper. Because it would be easy to say that. As a religious principle, as a proverb, yes, that is good advice. Okay, maybe I should just listen a little bit better. But he goes a little bit deeper. Look at verse 21. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. I'm sorry, uh, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept what? The word planted in you which can save you. You want to know how to get out of the trap? You come across a trap. You notice things boiling up and emotions are okay. Those are fine to have. It's how we uh, react to them and what we do with them, right? He gives us a sort of way out of the trap. And he says, get rid of all of these things. Put them aside. You will constantly struggle with this. We know that. Sin is like an army that is constantly coming at you. And you're a sniper. You can ping one off one at a time. Bing, 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 bing. They'll just keep coming. But he gives us a solution to this. You will always struggle with that. But put it aside and instead grab for some ammunition that you will need to win and to conquer. And what is that? It is the word which is planted in you. He's talking about the scriptures, the word of God, the word that you have heard from the beginning. Now, talking to Jewish Christians, of course, they've had the word for many, many years. I've talked several weeks ago about Shema, right? And we all said Shema, and now you forgot what it is. It, doesn't matter. it just matters. Listen, right? They knew it for many years. Now, for you and I who are Christians, and if you follow Jesus, and you call yourself a Christian, that is the number one thing. 
that we are called to do. It's not just about doing things. Okay, I'll just shut up and listen more. But actually listen to the word of God first and allow that to be alive and active in your life. It's kind of like receiving a heart transplant. It doesn't just say, well, you know, do the best you can based on what you think and just be careful to avoid bad things. But receive the word of God planted in your heart. This was a promise that God gave to Jeremiah years before, saying, I'm going to give them a new heart. And now, having Christ come in is like, hey, this is a refresher. This is refreshing. It's a call to allow the word of God to change your life. Now, that means something for us. Because, as I said, I would frame this whole thing as just do it. And we'll get to that in a moment because James very much is saying, hey, you should do what you read. But I want to pause for a moment and look at how important it is to actually read your Bible. You wear Christian swag. You listen to Christian radio. You come to church here. You're involved in ministry. Maybe you're starting to lead. That's great. But truly, the expectation is that we are actually listening to God. It's not what I'm wearing or where I go which makes me a Christian, but who I'm following after and who I'm allowing to have influence in my life, and that's Jesus, and he speaks through his word. Most Christians in this country will say, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, you know, but when you actually engage with them and say, hey, how are you living this out? They haven't even heard that before. They've never much thought about it, and we take it for granted. Believe that just being and sitting with the word of God is changing in and of itself. Many of you may have had this experience. Uh, when I was a young Christian, when I, I came to faith about 10 years old, uh, I was told the name of Jesus, and I was brought to church by my Mexican friends, so I went to Mass, and uh, afterwards we had tamales, so that was mostly why I went, because I wanted a tamale. But, you know, hey, I also got juice and crackers from the guy at the front. But I responded to God one night. I came to faith, and it wasn't until two, three years later that I heard from the Spirit, go and pick up a Bible. This is what believers do. We have something to base life off. It's not just a feeling, but there are words behind it. There are promises and treasures to discover. There are words of advice to help guide life. There are words of forgiveness. There are words of rebuke. There are all of these things are found in my word. I've already given instruction. And there was a season when I was about 13 or 14 that I, I remember opening, and I was so obsessed with the word. And for some of you, maybe when you first came to faith, you might recall that. You might remember that, where you were just like soaking it in like crazy every day, reading two, three chapters, and just crying, and like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And if you haven't had that experience yet, that's okay. Perhaps it is to come. But there were so many changes happening during that time, and I remember opening up, and as a youth, I was very angry. Not that, you know, any other youth are angry, right? <laughs> we haven't changed much. But I remember reading through and saying, oh my gosh. I remember literally, I had a, a, a problem with cursing. I just loved to curse. I felt like it was a right because I had so much anger that I could just like blow up and curse at anybody. And uh, I felt great. I felt good doing it. Until later when I learned of all the pain that it caused. And I remember reading 
about putting away those things and that there were more beautiful things, more beautiful promises that God had in Jesus. And I remember reading about, hey, put those things away. Your mouth is like an open grave. And I read that and it hit me hard. And I remember saying, God, what the bleep, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so bad. I also had a, a, a problem with pornography as a youth. And I'm sure there's no other youth that have that problem. Sure. But reading through that and seeing the promises that God has for sex and marriage and how much more beautiful they were than the made-up images in front of me and objectifying people. And it was beautiful that the word of God changes you. It is, the Bible says, alive and active. And James says, don't be distracted. Receive this. Listen to this. Get the word of God in you. Now, there are some challenges because many people will come and say, well, yeah, you know, Evan, you're right. The the Bible's good. We got to have the Bible. But, you know, a lot of times it's time. You know, I just it's hard to find the time. I'm busy. You know, I got kids now. I got a new job. Well, there's all this family drama. It's, It's really hard to just find the time to sit down and read. Now, there are many resources out there. Right. You could listen on your you could listen to a podcast. You could listen to a sermon. But I would say this. For those who are struggling with trying to find the time, and I, 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 I lump myself in this as well, because as a preacher of the word and as a pastor, we're some of the worst. Trust me. I think because I preached last week's message, I got my fill of the word of God, and I don't need it this week. I think because I went to seminary and really studied it in Greek, okay, I don't really need it this week, and those are lies and those are distractions. Let me say this. What you don't do today you will not do. What you don't do right now, you won't do. If you're thinking, yeah, I'll start tomorrow, you'll never start. Act on it right away. But I think the deeper level thing to this is this principle that if you really care, if you really desire, if it really matters, you'll do it. In the midst of um, a busy season, for my wife, A, and, and myself and our kids. There's many things. 2019 is going to be <laughs> challenging. <laughs> we already foresee it. There's many things that, that are on the horizon. And um, it's, uh, it's troubling. It's scary. There's good things. There's bad things that we're imagining that are going to happen. We have anxieties, of course. But we still pause to go on a date. We still pause even if it seems like we don't have the finances to go a night or two away by ourselves. We still find time to be together amidst the noise of kids screaming and breaking things in the background to barricade ourselves in a closet just to talk. (laughs) Because it's important. Because she loves her husband and I love my wife. And in a similar way as a Christian, you're gonna encounter many different things. You're gonna have finals. You're gonna be getting married. You're going to be graduating, I hope, at some point. (laughs) You're going to be getting new jobs. There will be deaths. There will be births. There will be marriages. There will be funerals. There will be many things that we can easily say, well, you know, God, sorry, not today. And there will be days like that, and I understand. But when we make that into a habit, that's our lifestyle. And we quickly are like a boat floating in the middle of a lake, distancing ourselves more and more without even noticing. 
and we deceive ourselves, as James says. If you truly desire Jesus, and I know that for many of us here, we've had that experience, that personal emotional experience with God. It's worth it. It's, it's something to be desired. And so we make the time. We make the time because it's important to us, and we see that. But James goes on. He doesn't leave it there. He's like, now, here's the next step. Here's the next step. Okay, so you're reading it. Okay, you get together in uh, your small groups. That's great. You're going through a book. Or, you know, we're taking a week off to go mini golf. Whatever. Okay. But somehow you're getting the word of God in you, and that's great. And you come here on Sundays, and we're hearing it, and we're thinking about it. Maybe you have Sunday school for some of you. Some of you are even teaching the word of God, and that's great. But all of that means nothing if we're not actually practicing it. All of that means nothing. You could say, uh, Anevin, I, I, I watched, uh, or I, I, I read uh, 10 chapters. 10 chapters of the Bible. I'm like, really? Yeah. All 10 chapters of Colossians. I think there's only like four chapters, bro. But anyway, I read so much. But did you actually practice it? Did you actually just do it? And this is the next point that James gets to. Look at verse 22. Do not be merely uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Deceive yourselves. It's very easy as I've mentioned to just think, okay, I heard it. That's great. But it's not enough for James to just hear it. That's not true faith. Anybody can listen. There are secular and atheistic people who also diagnose the Bible. They also look at it and give their analysis. No, they can also see it, but it's actually in doing and in practice. That is truly faith in God. In fact, Jesus actually says in the Great Commission when he's telling us all, hey, go and make disciples, okay? We've all heard this. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The next part most people skip or just don't understand fully, but he says teaching them to obey, everything that I've commanded. Not just teaching, not just having a class or a seminar or how to have a good marriage or how to have a, the perfect life, but teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Not just obey some of the things that seem to line up with your lifestyle. This is obedience. Here's what it looks like. Francis Chan gives a great illustration of this, of this whole following and being obedient to what the word of God says. He says this, uh, he's talking about his daughter, and he says, it's like I tell my daughter, go and clean your room, okay? That's the command, go and clean your room. Okay, he comes back an hour later. The room is a mess, and his daughter's sitting there. He's like, what are you doing? I told you an hour ago to clean your room. And she says, dad, 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 it's great. I, I, I understand, I heard what you said. I heard it. You said to me, clean your room. And uh, I just came in here for 15 minutes and just meditated on clean your room, clean your room. I actually thought about like the root words in English and clean, you know, it comes from the Latin. And, and, and I, actually, I actually called all my friends and, and, and they all came over and we had a study just based on cleaning our room and what it might look like, you know, hypothetically for a room to be clean. What if all our rooms, and we set up a conference at our school talking about, man, this is, you know, look at the mess in our rooms. And we analyzed it from every angle. But at the end of the day, he says, but you didn't clean your room. That's great. I'm glad you're able to analyze in all these different ways. 
But at the end of the day, clean your room. Clean your room. So it's easy for us to sort of hypotheticalize or hypoth <laughs> to just think. <laughs> Hypothesize. There you go. That I think I'm doing I, I'm doing it right. You know, I read the word. But do you respond to it? It's easy to repeat it, but it's not always easy to apply it. And so we deceive ourselves. Yeah, Jesus, I, I, I affirm this. I affirm it. Here. Well, then just do it. Here's the fear that when you do it and when you start to apply, you'll quickly, and th this is actually a good thing, when you actually apply what Jesus says, when you read through the commands of God in the scripture, you're going to quickly do this. You're going to quickly fail, and you're going to notice your need for grace. This is why it's so important to actually follow after what he says, because right away you're going to say, okay, I'll follow it. I'll be, for example, I'll be quick to listen, slow to speak. As soon as I leave this room, as soon as I face my mother-in-law or <laughs> my mom or my friend or that person I got beef with who's sitting on the other side today of the trailer. But you'll quickly fail because you're going to notice I'm trusting in myself too much. You're going to notice that, hey, I really need God for this to work. So I'd like to actually play a game with you. I have some scriptures that I've given our tech team to put up. Uh, we have three scriptures from the Sermon of on the Mount, Matthew 5 through uh, 7. And there's just three different, I'm going to highlight three different commands that Jesus gives. And I want you to ask yourselves just two questions as we're going through this, okay? One, do you know this word? Have you heard this word? Have you read this word before? Maybe done a study, maybe, okay? Have we heard this word before? Or is this completely new? And two, I want you to ask, okay, if you've heard it, do you obey it? Do you obey it? Okay, so first one, this is from Matthew uh, 5, I believe. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. Because that's already a lot. You've heard it said, love your neighbor. I don't even know my neighbors. I do know my neighbors. Most of us don't. But hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies hate your neighbor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but love your enemies and pray for them. Have we heard this said before? Have you read this before? Is this completely, did I pull this from like a different book from a different scripture or something? No, we've heard this. Okay. If you haven't, here it is. How are we doing with this? How are we doing with this? Just think about it. The people in your work, the people in your family, the people around you, in your small group even, <laughs> you got beef with them. How are you doing with this? Do you actually seek to love them in that way, to pray for them, to actually offer up a prayer to God and say, you know what, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I read it here, but it's more than just an ideal world. This is a reality of your kingdom breaking through, and I acknowledge that I am a citizen of this kingdom, and am obligated to listen to the king and trust the king. So I want to offer up in trust and in love this person that I am angry at who cut me off on the freeway, who chipped me, who irked me, who were saying bad things and spreading rumors about me. How are we doing with that? Let's try another one. Let's try Matthew 6. 
Matthew 6.31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? There's a little bit more for the pagans. Uh, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, what is the command here? Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worry of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So do not worry. Seek God and his kingdom. Do not worry. Jesus was talking a lot in that passage at the end of Matthew 6 about you're so troubled. You're so worried. And God doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to instead come to him and trust in him. Now, have we read this before? Yeah, okay. How are we doing with that? We still have a lot of anxiety. We still have a lot of worry. We read it. It goes in here. <laughs> but it takes a while to get to here, the heart. Let's try the next one. Matthew 7 this is the last one. It's a little bit of self-reflection. Matthew 7, do not, do not judge or you too will be judged. We could probably even stop there, but I'll keep going. No, because I like the whole log and spec thing. We're going to get to that. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the whole plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when the whole time there is a, pl a, a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. So basically self-reflection. When you are heated and locked into some judgment against somebody else, where you're just writing them up and you're assuming and getting angry, instead Jesus says, hey, sit down and actually reflect with me. To say, how, how am I, you know, can you show me, God, how I'm actually wrong in this? Can you show me my faults and failures? Because I know that I'm, I'm not right. There's something that I'm not seeing completely, God. There's a bigger picture to this. There's something going on inside. It's meant to be a sort of self-reflection with God. Okay, have we read this before? Okay. How are we doing with that? Do we actually have these things in mind? Do we allow the scripture to permeate into us? You could read 10 passages. You could read 10 chapters of the Bible a day. But what really matters is what's going to stick, what it, you are meditating on and what you are actually activating by doing. The ancient Hebrews, they would get up in the morning, they would read a proverb or two, and they would go out into the fields. Many of these young boys would go out in the fields and work as farmers. But the whole time, the idea of having a psalm or a proverb in your head and you're mulling it over in your mind and that you're applying it when you're in relationship, when you have conflict, that the first thing you run to is not some social media filth that you're like, okay, well, this is what the world usually does. No, this is the kingdom of God and you are all citizens and sons and daughters in it. So the first thing we run to is, oh, what does the word of God say about this? And then we act it out. There is a whole movement across Asia. There is an entire movement that started with uh, some very clever missionaries from Taiwan who said, hey, you know what? We're going to take Jesus at his word. And when he says to go and teach, to obey, we want to do that. And they started in small towns and provinces, and it spread all through different countries. There are many people coming to faith. Why? Because they sit down, and it's very simple. Here's what their Bible studies look like. I know we like to have fancy screens, and, you know, we do stuff like that. No, those are cool things. 
But really, it came down to this. We're going to read what Jesus said. Did you read what Jesus said? Uh, I read what he said. Okay. Let's go do it. Okay. <laughs> and that was it. And there was a lot of change. It's as simple as that. I really could, I wish I could just come up and say, hey guys, instead of speaking for 30 minutes, I'm just going to say, read your Bible and do it. <laughs> just do it. But we need to know something else because this is more than just religion. This is more than just religion because we could also be Buddhist or Muslim and there's also scripture for those things. If you believe in Confucianism, I would assume and hope that you are reading the Analects because that is where that comes from. There is a scripture for all of these different religions. But with Christianity, with the Bible, we're called to a much, much higher standard of a perfect God. And so therefore we are prone as fallen creatures to fail in these things. But when we fail, we have something that no other religion of just following rules, shut up, open your ears, has. We have Christ who lived and breathed all of this out for us, lived the perfect life, and died for us to swap places for all of these times that we fail. You will fail over and over. It's a process. I believe Pastor Tony mentioned that in one of the first sermons for James, that trust the process. You're in it right now. My intention to show you Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is not to make you feel bad, like, hey, Christians, you're all doing it wrong. You're all messed up. No. We acknowledge that, yeah, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But we trust that God is working through us. If you were to look at, uh, if you have Philippians, I don't know, Stephen, if you have Philippians 2, 12 through 13, just Philippians 2, 12 is probably fine. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, and he's saying this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will, and will <laughs> to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is working on you. There is a process, and we do this together with God. We don't just sit back and say, well, God will cure me of anger or lust or whatever one day. But we have to actually take responsibility and say, God, if you say clean your room, I got to go clean that room. It might be hard. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. I might not be able to clean everything because I don't see everything. So will you help me and go with me? And God is doing that. Why? In order to make you more and more like him. To make you holy. So continue to work it out with fear and trembling, knowing that, okay, I'm, not, I'm probably going to mess this up, but that there is grace, that Jesus is walking with me, that I have the power of the Holy Spirit who is acting according to the Father's will. Ephesians 5.25, if you were to pull up Ephesians 5.25, a lot of times this is in the context that we look at marriage, but I want you to notice something that Paul says. He says, husbands, love your wives. Hey, that's a command, by the way. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or without wrinkle or without any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is what Jesus is doing. That is what Jesus is doing. He's washing us constantly with the word. So again, takeaways for this passage. One, 
is obey the word. But two, before you do that, you need to get the word of God in you. We all hopefully showered today or at some point in the last month. I don't know how often you do it, okay? But hopefully we all shower before we go out and we have social engagements, yes? In the same way, we recognize that, hey, I, I need to have this shower. I need to be washed in the word of God. I need to be saturated, bathed, baptized in the word. And what Jesus does is incredible. He comes alongside of us and says, I will embrace the stink. I will come with you. Let's get in the shower together. That way we can be clean, right? So, one, get the word of God in you. This is more than just a message that says, shut up and listen more and don't be angry. Those are good things to start. But get the word of God in you. And secondly, seek after God. Practice that word and seek after him. Get the word of God, practice the word of God, and seek after God. And know that you are in the process and loved the whole way through. Let's pray.